electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Futures are pretty solid here as investors react not only to the debate last night, but also the first official FDA approval for a COVID treatment. Uh, Intel, Mattel, Amex, and of course, the ongoing stimulus talks. Our roadmap begins with that big pharma boost. The president says a COVID vaccine is just weeks away with J&J, Moderna, and Pfizer leading the way. Plus, Gilead shares are up in the pre-market. The FDA approving uh, its antiviral drug remdesivir as a treatment for the coronavirus. And Intel tumbling, tumbling this morning. It is going to be down more than 10%. This despite what were better than, ex- better than expected earnings. But really, it's all about the chip maker showing new weakness in that data center business, Carl. And I know we're going to be spending a good amount of time on this. you got Bob Swan joining you later on Squawk Alley. Yeah, uh, that's a big story today. Of course, uh, as we said earlier, though, Jim, uh, pharma is the other big story. The president's comments, uh, CureVac, uh, obviously what we heard from uh, Gilead and the FDA yesterday. Yeah, look, I wish that the president were right about J&J. That's not right. Uh, the company has not said that. It's been very adamant that the time frame is very different. Uh, just hate him or like him. Uh, the president got that wrong. Uh, and I'm sure J&J is anxious to try to make that clear. Uh, Moderna does have an earlier track because they got the blueprint quickly. But uh, to put J&J in that spot is uh, really a shame. Uh, we do have uh, therapeutics, and I'm sure Meg will talk about remdesivir. That is not a surprise. Uh, it's been used throughout the country for the last five months. Uh, Regeneron probably is next with a the therapeutic that works very well. Uh, I think a lot of what's happening today is because Europe was good in two places that were really shocking. Barclays did a great quarter. I mean, Barclays, and we saw the yield curve work yesterday in favor of the bank, so that might be a continued move. And then Daimler had a good point. A good, uh, yeah, Daimler had a good quarter. I don't even know how that's possible. Maybe Chinese sales because a lot of their business in China. But, you know, we have a carryover from Europe that's very, very strong. And I think, David, that sometimes you get a reaction from Europe that shocks you. And Barclays being good at a time when the yield curve is bending in the right way makes people excited about a group that's been very down and out. And Daimler, I think the orders are running here. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, Europe is now, you know, obviously dealing with a resurgence of the virus. We haven't talked about that much. I think we hit our highest number of cases. Was it ever? I think maybe we set a record yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. Right, Carl? Yep. Yeah. Yesterday. What was 73 yep. or 77,000? Uh, Sorry. Um, 77. Yeah. Almost 78. And that surpasses the late July high. Um, so it's interesting, Jim, uh, that we're seeing that. It was obviously a, a, a good amount of time was spent on it yesterday in terms of this sort of the perception of, well, is it lockdown versus right. not lockdown? Or how do you reopen an economy when people don't want to necessarily still participate fully in economic activity, even if you want them to? 
without getting control of the virus, which we clearly have not yet. Thankfully, though, the death rate is coming down, although we're still around a thousand. Well, I, I think every day. Uh, but to your point on J&J, I mean, listen, the president did say Moderna and Pfizer. We know that. Right. They're they're coming soon. No, they in terms are of at least soon. giving us the results. Right. And then potentially being in a position to get that emergency use uh, from the FDA pretty soon. And then there's the therapeutics, which I mean, he talked about. Obviously, he was treated with one, which is the Regeneron. Right. A monoclonal antibody. I've talked a lot about what Merck has which is MK4482. It used to be EID2801. Now it's actually got the name Molnupiravir. That's going to be the oral antiviral. Listen, that's going to be an important, important drug if and when it also gets emergency use. Yes. What's difficult is, and I've just talked about this many times, and and the CEO agrees with me, but Ken Frazier does not like to talk about things. Uh, and promote things until they're absolutely dead right. Right. I mean, Keytruda was clearly the, uh, I think, or it is going to be the biggest drug of all time, but he would not give anyone false hope who has cancer. And it's directly related that to me and told me that because I remember the false hope I got with my mother when she was dying of cancer. He's just not going to play play that. He just doesn't do that. The president's right about Pfizer. And the Moderna is. I mean, I think that there are a lot of people who are ready. There's a very good trial for Moderna going on in New York City. I chose not to be in that. I tried to get in the J&J trial, but it's hard. It's very hard to get into. And these things are very ongoing. Uh, Regeneron if they, is by far the, my favorite. Because you see dramatic reaction instantly with Regeneron, instantly meaning in two or three days. Uh, but, Carl, I think that there is a tremendous amount of uh, sense that the trade-off is worth it. It's worth it to open up because the death rate's low. It's, not, it's maybe not worth it to open up if you look at caseload. But I think the American people in many parts of the country have decided, you know what, the death rate is so low. Let's open it up and let's have the people who are... Uh, Comorb- comorbidity, let them stay home. So it's flipped. And I think even um, Vice President Biden felt very reluctant to say that, it, it, that we should lock down again. That point was uh, hammered home in a couple of very severe uh, jabs in last night's debate. Yep, you're absolutely right. And speaking of the debate, Jim, you mentioned the sort of cautionary comments we've gotten from Ken Frazier of Merck, uh, from the CEO of Pfizer, from Roche just this week. And it does conflict somewhat with what the president's uh, timeline was last night. Take a listen really quick. You also said a vaccine will be coming within weeks. Yes. Is that a guarantee? No, it's not a guarantee, but it will be by the end of the year. But I think it has a good chance. There are two companies, I think, within a matter of weeks, and it will be distributed very quickly. Can you tell us which companies? Uh, Johnson & Johnson is doing very well, Moderna is doing very well, Pfizer is doing very well, and we have numerous others. Then we also have others that we're working on very closely with other countries, in particular Europe. Let me follow up with you, and because this is new information, you have said a vaccine is coming soon within weeks now. Your own officials say it could take well into 2021 at the earliest for enough Americans to get vaccinated. And even then, they say the country will be wearing masks and distancing into 2022. Is your timeline realistic? No, I think my timeline is going to be more accurate. Jim, we'll see. I mean, the Roche CEO this week said uh, before year end was, quote, completely unrealistic. Right. Uh, but then, you know, the CureVac preclinical trial news today does remind you that there are uh, there's another wave of candidates behind the ones we're talking about so much. Right. I, I think the Oxford AstraZeneca is another one that 
people want very much to be in the trial for. I think that a lot of what you're doing is you're getting your doctor, you're going to your primary physician, and your primary physician is telling you, please go into the, the majority is go into one of these if you can. Uh, now, there are a very different age group and very different um, pre uh, existing illnesses that allow you to get in or not. I think the president's timeline has been aggressive. He has always been aggressive. I think that Dr. Fauci would say that. And Dr. Fauci was lumped in last night with a, a group of, you know, there was a, I don't even want to say it, okay? I once got in trouble already saying something that imitated the president. I'm not going that way. Uh, but I do think, think that uh, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, but I think it is much more, as David says, it's much more the idea that you're still going to go to the hospital, but you're going to get out of the hospital. And that is a huge win, David. Well, it is right now. Yeah. And again, but when we when we get these earlier, uh, when we get the therapeutics that are available earlier, whether it be Regeneron, which is still going to have to be infused or the Lilly monoclonal antibody, Mm -hmm. or, as I said, um, uh, the Merck drug, uh, that could those could be significant game changers. Listen, for a a guy who dissembles a a lot, being the president, I actually think he was quite accurate last night. I don't think that was new news, what he said. He's well, well, J- I mean, Pfizer and Moderna. He threw J&J in there. Why did maybe he throw just, J&J in? Yeah, but that was, I mean, that was sort of I know, probably, splitting hairs. It was probably accidental. You know, he was naming right. some of the names, but he was right. I mean, Moderna and Pfizer are the closest. They are the ones. They are probably going to give us at least data very soon. They could get emergency usage approval in the next few months. Moderna might be November. But at the same time, we're not going to obviously get a fully available vaccine for the majority of the population for Many, many, no, many you're, you're months, right. which is what makes the uh, the antivirals. Are, are we nitpicking by saying so he mentioned the wrong drug company? Yeah, because Moderna. Yeah, I mean, for listen, for him, he was that was right on the mark. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Let's funny. be right. It's true. Um, now, by the way, New York's not a ghost town. That one I'll take issue with for those of us who live there. <laughs> but, Carl, I will come back to that idea that you were just talking about and the idea that Jim was, which is. You know, what I hear all day long and talking to the senior leaders of a lot of the firms that we know well is frustration that their younger people are not coming back to work. Right. And it's fascinating, actually. The people who are least vulnerable, Jim, 20s and 30s, early in their careers, who are off renting houses in Montana or wherever they may be um, and don't want to come back. So, you know, again, New York, far, far, far from a ghost town. Anybody who lives there will tell you that. At the same time, Midtown office buildings, they're pretty quiet because people aren't coming back, even though they want them to. Are you going to be the senior person who says, I want you back at the office? That's the problem. And then you get... That's that the problem. COVID? They're not, you know, they've, they've gone to neutral, but they're not demanding a lot of their employees come back. But they throw their hands up. I've had these conversations. I know you have, too. It's fascinating. Yep. We're saying well, I, I, we don't understand why they're not coming back. Carl, I you speak to, to obviously speak to hundreds of CEOs and they're all spending, say, two, three, four days at the office. Yes. In order to inspire young people. Yeah. To go. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? It's definitely a, it, it's a it's a kind of soft power uh, to use a uh, foreign policy analog, Jim. Uh, They're definitely trying to set by example. There's an unspoken nudge, I think you could say from HR. Hey, let's do this. Management wants to see it. But to David's point, it's it's not a hard sell yet. Right. But when I was at Goldman Sachs, I can tell you this would be my chance. I would stay there for 18 hours and leave my jacket on the chair. So they thought I was there 24 hours. Well, you're going to get unprecedented FaceTime with your boss. And by the way, they've made a decision. I think what I'm hearing is that listen, they can't effectively train people through Zoom. No, you can't. They just can't. Plus, the elevators um, are viewed. Uh, elevators are probably viewed as the most dangerous thing. It's now a that you've cleaned this up, and you're wearing a mask, 
And you can, at this point, again, they're talking 10% of people coming in, Jim, so nobody's really at risk. Uh, it, it's incredible, risk. Carl. Not you, a lot of risk. When you try to, J.P. Morgan has these gigantic training programs. And the key to them is not Zoom. It's being one-on-one with them. So I totally understand where Jamie Dimon's coming from. But most industries, they're hard-pressed to say why younger people have to come in. And I just think this is a remarkable turn where the younger people are calling the shots. Estee Lauder has a program where on Fridays you are you're the boss if you're a younger person in order to get people to understand the older people to understand what younger people are wearing. This is the opposite. Four days a week. You're the boss. One day a week. The boss is the boss. And I, I find it rather incredible, given the fact that Zoom is not necessarily always effective. It's a bit of a Hollywood Squares when you've got a 40 person class. I mean, it's amazing. You know, what was the most amazing thing last night, though, Carl? Was when my late father tripped Daniel Jones on the 20. People think it was just himself, but <laughs> oh, it was my, my late father. What happened? Oh, I guess I know what happened. The Eagles won. Well, no, a ghost. Yeah. People say it was a ghost. I don't. I'm not was he going to go father. in? Well, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, I'm completely clueless. Oh, my God. Hey, number Leading the division again, Jim. That guy. Uh, congratulations oh, on We will great. two drives. Yeah. What are you going to be? You're going to win the division uh, we'll, at like we'll four and twelve. <laughs> I'm not we'll defending us. Um, uh, we'll, we'll get to Intel, as David said. Uh, that miss on data center. B of A goes to a cell today. We'll talk to Bob Swan on Squawk Alley. I think later this morning. Uh, Kudlow's on the tape once again, saying the ball is quote not moving much on stimulus relief. Meanwhile, uh, futures are green. We're back in a minute. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Intel looks to open around uh, 48 and a half, uh, threatening to get close, Jim, to its summertime low set back in late July as B of A, as we said earlier, goes to an underperform with a target of 45 uh, data center again. Yeah. Now, I know you have Bob Swan on later, which will be very good because, frankly, I think he got a pass on the conference call. Uh, in part because he's regarded as being a total gentleman, which he is. But uh, the miss in the data center, when you read all the analyst comments, they're being very kind. The real issue here was competition. It was AMD with a better mousetrap. It's NVIDIA coming into the data center. And as much as Bob Swan would like to say, you know what, it's the, the margin compression is something you need to worry about. I think they have to worry greatly because I think they've underspent on product and overspent on buying back stock. Uh, their capital allocation is not that good. Uh, this was a very bad quarter. And uh, there were it, there were reasons to be, to expect that it would be a great one. David, sometimes 
uh, you get a quarter and the analysts aren't expecting much and they just don't get even what they're expecting. Yeah, I and think, that's so, Jim, there had been some expectation because, remember, it was last quarter when they came up with these uh, with this manufacturing issue on the what was it the seven nanometer next gen? Yeah, the seven se- they couldn't do ship. the seven and AMD and they has the seven. They didn't give anybody anything on whether they're fixing that, did they? No. No, and the analysts did not rebel. I, I, they started, initially it started saying, listen, you haven't explained the gross margins, gross margins. But again, uh, Mr. Swan, because he is an eloquent, good man, and you'll find this, Carl, when you interview him, he was not um, held to a standard that I would have expected. Uh, very little mention of his uh, Mobileye initiative, uh, uh, automobile. Uh, he does not have inference chips. You know, inference chip is really rather amazing. That, one of the reasons I like Jensen and what he's done, uh, it, it, the, the remarkable job he's done in NVIDIA is when you get into a Mercedes, and David, you listen to this because you're yeah. not going to do this, but if you go to Mercedes and you say, oh, man, is it hot in here, the air conditioning goes on. That's inference. Uh, wow. Intel does not have inferential chips. No, but there's and a lack of clarity. I'm reading a, a B of A note here. They did downgrade the stock uh, yeah. this morning. They were the principal downgrader. Yeah, and but they say there's no clarity on when a decision's going to be made in terms of their exploring options to use you know other companies to make these seven. They need Taiwan chips, Semi very badly, right? Or go completely fabless, or for how long? It's also not clear if any foundry has either the spare capacity to make Intel's multiple. Uh, uh, transistors with the desire to help a competitor only for a small time frame. So there's no shortage of issues here, is there? No, and remember, Intel was the primary creator of the great foundries, right? the fabs. I mean, I went to, I've been, I was, when I was an Intelaholic, I went to a fabulous fab in Israel that had no people because it was the Sabbath. And then I went to a beautiful one in Ireland. And it was then a carbon copy of others. Carl, I always regarded Intel at one point as the greatest manufacturer yes. we had in this country. Now, people are saying they well, should outsource I, it. I, I wonder, Jim, at what point did you stop being an Intelaholic? It's been a while, when they hasn't stopped, it? When they stopped having engineers and scientists run the company and went with salespeople and financial people. You, well, it sounds like you're talking about Bob directly. We've had this discussion with him before. You know, PayPal, he was a big eBay. Look again, you know, he's the CFO. I mean, I, why am I so reluctant to knock the guy? It wasn't his choice. He didn't necessarily want to be. He actually would tell you. He told me on my show he didn't want the job, but he got the job. And I feel, I mean, I, having been to lunch with him, I haven't seen him. I mean, look, I, my show's not about friends. It's about money. But you do meet some people who are extraordinarily good and kind, but they're not necessarily in the right position. Well, as you can see, Intel will uh, be a drag on the Dow. We'll get that opening bell in just about 10 minutes. Don't go away. You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Sheyi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. 
Welcome back. Time for a mad dash as we get ready for the opening bell. We still got eight minutes, so we get started with trading for the last session of the week. The gap. Well, Dave, this is done in honor of what the heck you're wearing. <laughs> I um, think they are. These might actually be. I think you really fell into the gap of that outfit. <laughs> Incredible. This turn in the gap. This is a remarkable turn. Matthew Boss first to identify it at JP Morgan. But they had investor day yesterday. And then, David, I'm using this because of you but not because of your ridiculous outfit. Um, they, sh- they are shrinking to grow. I'm not kidding. Cowan, shrink to grow. Does it say shrink yes, to grow? Yes, and, yeah. and they have a hidden gem in Athleta, which right. could be a multi-billion dollar business against uh, Lulu. But uh, the Old Navy's doing incredibly well, and that makes it so that you don't really have to worry as much about Banana Republic or Gap. I mean, a lot of people are saying, Jim, this is a mall story. It's bigger than that. And I have to congratulate the people who are running Gap because – Everyone thought that was just going to go the way. Well, of, they did. Now, tell me a little about digital and what they're doing there. We all not know. enough. They have good database. I right. think they could do much more. Uh, that's that's a wide open area that's going to bring what people think is the next leg. Uh, in the same way that L Brands doesn't really have anything. I thought with this was sort of done. I mean, uh, there were a lot of people look even back in. David, well, that was the height of the pandemic. I mean, you know, the low for the market, okay, obviously, so David, but still. David, th- work with me here. Mall based retailer. Work with me. You um, yes, you're sir. at home. Yes. Nobody sees you. No. Uh, you don't have to go outside. No. Uh, you wear ending up, you know, you wear what we would call in, uh, in Yiddish, slump a dick outfit. And, um, and David? Yes. I'm there. Well done. Thank you. I'm there today. I was, I mean, I knew when I, I was like, oh, man, he's going to give me a lot of. By the way, I watched that Daniel Jones video. No, that's it. I've never seen anything like no. that. No. I, I advise everyone to watch that just to be able to me. say, you know what? I'm better than that guy. He's fast, but He's, that was the, one of the sadder things I've seen in football lately. I did it the district championship. I did the same thing in well, track. Congrats to your Eagles. Yeah, my coach kicked me in the butt. Whoever grabbed him somehow it. put their. All right. Anyway. They were laughing on the sidelines. They had a lot to laugh about. The Giants. They found something to laugh about. We gotta go. We got an opening bell a few what minutes the heck away. Are you wearing? Stay with us right here on Squawk on the Street. Apple's iPhone 12 hitting stores in China today, as pre-orders indicate pretty strong demand. Lines outside the stores in Shanghai, maybe not as long as they have been for similar launches, but of course a lot of ordering has gone online. Uh, The South China Morning Post today reports that global pre-orders for the 12 at least twice as high in the first 24 hours compared with the 11 last year. Jim, I mean, so many different dynamics on on this particular phone, but we'll take what we can get. Yes, and it's interesting to read the conflicting reports geopolitically versus Apple. Uh, you, you're reading articles about how the government is cracking down, that it's becoming harder line, kind of almost Maoist. And then you see uh, numbers from Apple, and it's not like they've said, you know what, we will not let you buy Apple. If anything, it's almost as if they're saying, you know what, Apple is exempt from geopolitics. David, a lot of that, I think, is Tim Cook's graciousness. Uh, I just think that he has not been uh, I think he's worked well with everyone because think about it. It, it, They're not in a while. They're not a part of the Huawei miasma. Right. Right. Jim, you know, uh, I'm letting you focus on Apple. I've been sort of trying to focus on the carriers and what's going to happen there. ATT was remarkable, um, David. I read ATT through ATT had a very strong day yesterday. We talked to Hans Vestberg from Verizon earlier this week when they reported earnings, T-Mobile, of course. But the question continues to be, is this going to be a more promotional environment than is typical? 
everybody wants to keep telling you normal, normal. And that's what uh, Hans Vestberg said. That's what John Stevens, the CFO of uh, AT&T, told me yesterday during a phone call as well. Uh, normal. Uh, the analysts, though, Jim, who follow the company say not normal, that the numbers are bigger in terms of the subsidies in ter- for the iPhone 12. Uh, and that it is going to be reflective of more uh, price war hitting margin. And then everybody, of course, talks about how their network is the best. I mean, it makes your head spin in terms of everybody has yes, their own so, argument. Right. You know, what's interesting, David, is, is that we had John Leisure on in his last appearance. Uh, and he said there will be more competition than ever. And I remember just thinking, what is this guy in the magenta shirt? Because he really had the guts to come on and say this. He may have been dead right, David, when he said there'd be more competition. Because I, I don't remember all three of these companies in, in a grab like this. Amazing. Stop looking at the Daniel Jones video and focus on your job. <laughs> it's mesmerizing. It is hypnotic, Jim. Uh, Let's get the opening bell uh, and a look at some breath as it fills in. You guys were talking Gap uh, a couple of segments ago, Jim, and I see Oppie cuts Best Buy to market perform, 125. Um, I hated that We fret somewhat that street expectations uh, for post-pandemic prospects have turned too optimistic. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, cost pressures. Uh, They are Best Buy is in control here. They've done a remarkable job. I think people, I, I, look, the Opco note, I'm not going to say is, is completely wrongheaded, but when you need help to buy something, you, you, you don't go to Amazon. You actually go to Best Buy. And uh, look, I find you can, if you know what you're doing, you can go to Costco, okay, uh, for big stuff. Otherwise, you can go to Amazon. But if you actually have a question, there's a human being. Now, sometimes that human being works for the company that you're buying something from. But I think that, that this note underestimates. David, have you done any comp- buying of any goods that are over your head? Over my head being bigger than I am? Is that what you're saying? I'm sorry. No, David, that, Large. Would, that would be the Mac. No, I'm talking about the, when you have to go and say, look, I understand. I mean, oh, unless you, you mean actually un- unless not something I can understand. Like when I, I forget it was, to, oh, Andrew Ross Sorkin was talking about the genius bar. Yes. And he went, I find when I go and buy something for my kids that's not an apple, I want to ask a question. And there's these people at Best Buy, and they can answer questions. Carl, it is more fun when you're older to go to a Best Buy than when you're younger and kids don't need anyone. They know so much. We know so little. <laughs> I mean, I know that I know I got a camera here on my phone. Just take your kids with you. That's all. I'll help you. Huh? Just take them with you. And you don't need to. It's ask a surprise. That's what I all do. Right. All right. <laughs> uh, Jim, uh, 10 year now, uh, 86 basis points. Going back to June is a time to. Start selling home builders and start buying banks. Uh, I, I mean, Pulte Home is the one you want to watch because Pulte Home reported good numbers and got a very big upgrade this morning. Uh, if Pulte Home cannot rally, then I think yes. Uh, yesterday was the beginning of the regional bank rally. Uh, I thought that that was premature because doesn't, one day does not a trend make. But I will say that, um, that, that this is a group, the home builders, that I think is reacting more to a supply shortage than it is to rates. Because rates are still very, very low. So you might have the best of both worlds here. Uh, I think that this is a moment where there are a lot of people who want to rotate into groups that have not moved. Uh, oil uh, off of the, the consolidation and the banks because they're just so inexpensive. Uh, let's watch Goldman. I think the papers are very wrong 
about saying that Goldman, this is another disgrace for Goldman. I think the clawback of, to the executives, David, you know the clawback was rather shocking and amazing. Uh, not unlike when Maxwell Bonds, Ghislaine's father, right, Robert Maxwell, yes. when he defrauded uh, people and Goldman had to, the execs had to reach in their pocket. I think that was good because it means the shareholders didn't have to reach in their pocket. That's going back a long way. But, yeah, Wilfred Frost reporting on that yesterday for us. A fairly significant sum think? and involving former execs, some current as well, but former, including, of course, former CEO Lloyd Blankfein. Right. Having to give back some comp. Yeah, uh, David, um, you know that when you read, read about that, uh, there was a, a moment where it looked like it was too good to be true for Goldman uh, that I think you w- would have been flagged, but... That's the question. And their competitors will say, and David Solomon will certainly take issue with this, but they'll say, come on, man, the risk, what you were getting paid on that, that should have a lot of red flags should have gone off right away. They have a letter from from the the guy who was the head of the country. Who knew that he was part of the mob? But look, I think to have that behind Goldman is big. And the fact my charitable trust is a shareholder, I sent David Solomon notes saying thank you for actually not making the shareholders pay for every penny. Right. This. Thank um, you for standing up. Jim, st- sticking with financials, and we see at the bottom of the screen there, we talked Intel, but we haven't talked American Express. It is down. Right. Um, you know, you and I both know uh, CEO Steve Squarey. Uh, what, what's your sense there in terms of what is going on with a quarter in which, what did they do? Net income of $1.1 billion, about a buck thirty a share. Not about. That's what it was. Obviously, well down from a year ago. Right, but I thought that the decision to spend a lot of money was on small business and advertising and getting, uh, they actually added people. Uh, the actual T&E that we're so used to thinking is in American Express Bailiwick is not as big as we thought. And contactless has helped them tremendously. Contactless without keyboard, the keyboard being allegedly one of the most dangerous areas in COVID. I was surprised at how good it was, given the fact that uh, American Express is, you know, Carl, look, we think of American Express as what you a uh, business traveler pays with. Uh, but it turns out that the consumer spends a lot of money on American Express. It would not surprise me that not this quarter current, but the quarter after that, that you'll start seeing some of the benefit of the spend that Steve Square is doing now. I think Steve Square is a, a thoughtful huh. person who's thinking out more than just three months. Yeah, I mean, there is this lingering uh, fear, Jim, as you know, that the delinquency story is really a rolling story that will hit us in Q1, Q2, and that uh, to see the banks start to take off some of those loss provisions is, I don't know, uh, some argue premature. Well, Capital One, though, is pretty good. The losses of American Express were uh, remarkably good. I think the issue with American Express, frankly, is the closure of, of restaurants and the lack of travel. But yesterday, Gary Kelly, uh, in a very, I think, uh, understated way, gave you a... Uh, a sign that the travelers are coming back. So there are probably going to be people who have missed the last few days of the bank rally in Morgan Stanley and J.P. Morgan, who after a day will come back to American Express. David, American Express is a company that is a consumer company that happens to have a lot of business spend. But I do wonder on the business spend, and we talked to Gary Kelly about it yesterday, Jim, and he he said, listen, my opinion is worth what it's worth, which is not much. I mean, I'm kind of paraphrasing what he said in terms of when they come back, the business traveler. We've talked a lot about it. I just don't think, based on what I'm hearing, that you're ever going to see the level of business travel that you once did. Will there be travel? Of course. There may even be a good amount of it, but it won't be what it was. They're just... We're not getting on planes to do things they used to. And by the way, we're not even 
talking about the what the advances in Zoom are going to be like over the next five years. 5G Zoom. What is, that's going to be like right. and how that's going to make it even easier to conduct these kinds of business. How many mergers and acquisitions have been done via Zoom right. at this point? Even due diligence to some extent. Sa- how look, many investments had have been made? Salesforce has had its best made? quarter ever. You know, venture capitalists. Press, press the flesh. Yeah. And it's you amazing what? what you've been able to accomplish. And therefore, I do think that you're going to see a somewhat muted return in terms of business travel. Carl? The idea that you're going to hug or, get, or handshake is done, okay? So oh, yeah. you do not have that <laughs> oh, yes. edge of saying, oh, you know, the big, how are you doing? No, stay away from me. Stay away from me. And I think that the stay away from me is, makes it so that Zoom is, is there. David's laughing. But when you have those two masked men yeah. get together, you know, it's like the Lone Rangers are hanging out. And I'm pro-mask. I think uh, it's this is different era. Uh, it, our, our former colleague, Rebecca Jarvis, tweeted the other day. She said, what uh, practice that you had pre-COVID will you not go back to? And all the replies on Twitter were handshakes and, to some degree, Jim, uh, getting coffee out of home. Because they, people are getting used now to making their coffee in, in the house. And they think maybe post-COVID they don't necessarily go back to a pre-COVID habit. Well, you know, there, are, there are some people who are saying that the lack of spend of that coffee at home is actually impacting, which I find it's not that expensive unless you're going to get the triple vente cappuccino with skim wet, which is more than six dollars. Yeah. Starbucks. Yeah. Starbucks actually having uh, doing some great allocation, taking advantage of the rents that are being cut and stores that are being closed. Right. And putting in express lanes at Chipotle, by the way, doing very good. You know, I thought Chipotle always, should have been up yesterday. I'll always find a way. Uh, guys, you know, Jim, you just mentioned consolidation in the oil sector, uh, which we have been seeing, of course, Pioneer deal uh, mm-hmm. this week. We had. Uh, the Conoco deal, that was this week, too. Contra, yeah, that was this week. Uh, yeah, the Contra, this, it's funny, uh, no, beginning well, of the week. Uh, it came up, obviously, in the debate yesterday in terms of climate change. Towards the end of the debate, the two candidates uh, going back and forth on that. But, you know, I wanted to come back to, it's just interesting. Nextera was in the news a few weeks ago, if you recall, when the Journal reported on uh, at least a foray they'd made to Duke Energy. Huge, highly regulated utility, of course, yes. in this country. We talked about it at the time. There, The two of them are. Taking a look, you know, it's funny, it just drew my attention to Nextera in general, which has a larger market cap now than ExxonMobil. Take a look at the performance of these two stocks. A growth utility, isn't that extraordinary? A growth utility, it's the largest user of renewables to generate electric power in this country. It has grown through acquisition. Look at that. Isn't that a, that's incredible. That tells a story, doesn't it, right there? Sometimes charts don't, that does. That does. Um, And by the way, on the on the Duke Energy front, you know, there had been some expectation, I think, about pe- from people uh, close to Duke in terms of wondering whether Nextera would try to come back in a more formal way or perhaps with even uh, an unsolicited. Um, you know, you can never say these things are completely dead. From what I'm hearing, though, uh, Nextera seems to have moved on. Yeah, that's uh, the my understanding. of Florida and, and what would have gone on there in terms of any chance of really getting it through, how long it would take, uh, what the number really needed to be, despite the fact that with that stock, they could pay a very high price. Uh, I am hearing that uh, uh, they're likely to have moved on. Uh, can't say definitively at this point, but did want to share that as well. But you well, can't do a In terms of Duke, which, industry. by the way, did still have about 10 bucks in it uh, from when the Journal reported that story. You know, speaking of the debate, I mean, a lot of times what you want to think about in the debate is what's not talked about. There were no attacks on the managed care companies. They got they, they skated through. So what happens? United Health, which, by the way, is the principal one that people talk about because it, ex- it decided to leave the Obamacare exchanges uh, and, and the stock it wasn't attacked. And boom, 
Well, it's a winner. This group's a winner simply because they weren't mentioned. They were not vil- they were not vilified, uh, even as the Obamacare plan at various times was attacked by, by the current president. So I, I do think that they were the winners. There's the winners because no one took a shot at them. Pretty interesting. David, there were a lot yeah, of shots so I, taken. Carl? No, I, I did want to ask you, it happened very late in the debate, but I, I bet you, I guarantee you, the next few days, we're going to hear a lot more about Biden and fracking and oil and Pennsylvania oh, and Texas. Yes. And I wonder if you think that was a surprise or if it's an echo of what we're already beginning to see from TV commercials and white papers out of BP and Exxon. Well, I think that there are issues. For instance, when we had Scott Sheffield, the one who owns Pine, runs Pioneer, uh, on Mad Money, uh, they don't have one of the issues they said about why they're so excited about the companies. They have no federal land, uh, and that's about saying Biden can't hurt us. Okay, with the belief that Biden is going to stop fracking. Uh, Pennsylvania, the president was very on point, saying that he, that that Biden has not been exactly clear. I, and I think that's fair. I'm not saying he's against fracking. He's not exactly clear. But the oil people, the oil men, so to speak, and, and women, Occidental, are very concerned that they'll lose federal land under under Biden, where, of course, the president, given the yeah. fact that he said he wants to drill in Anwar. Yeah, I'm still struggling with that one. Yeah, uh, would certainly not put any limits on. Yeah. Any place. Anywhere. Yeah. No. Carl? Uh, a, lot, a lot to digest from last night. Let's get to Bob Bassani. Good morning, guys. Uh, happy Friday. Uh, so three to one advancing to declining stocks. Nice, but pretty muted week overall. I'll tell you what's not muted. Look at the sectors. Banks are moving up. These yields moving up here. That's the KBE ETF there. That's up 7% this week. There's your big winner right now. Industrials, energy fair, tech's down primarily because of Intel and the semiconductors are weighing on it. Speaking of Intel, we'll show you the earnings. Uh, Not many earnings misses uh, this quarter so far. A small number, but if you miss, heaven help you. Uh, You can see here uh, Intel to the downside. Uh, American Express also down a little bit. But Cleveland Cliffs did well. Illinois Toolworks had very good numbers. Uh, Capital One just killed it. And uh, we're seeing a little bit of price moves on that. That's something we haven't seen a lot. Companies beating good numbers, but they're not seeing a lot of price moves. So we're a quarter away through earnings season. I'd say we have excellent results overall. We've been putting these numbers up all week, beating the companies so far have been beating by 20%. That's huge. The historic beat is three or four or 5%. So way above expectations. What we're not seeing is price moves. If you look at the S&P 500, we topped out the day before earnings start. October 12th, we were 35.50 or so. Now we're 34.50 or so. That We haven't really done that much uh, since the earnings season started. Even among those reporting earnings, the price gains have been minimal. J.P. Morgan watches this. Companies that beat only had a gain of about 0.1% the day after. That's pretty minimal. But if you miss... You missed by about 4%. You saw what happened to Amex and Intel and some of these other ones. And some of the others that we had this week that missed, well, they're down even more here. So your Union Pacific had a miss, Kimberly Clark, IBM. These are for the week what they're doing. But you see, uh, any miss here is penalized pretty severely. So far, the revisions, what we want to know is how are things going in the fourth quarter. Upwards revisions, pretty modest here. So we're down about 13%. Uh, now we're down about 12%. This is the fourth quarter we're looking at, which is what everybody cares about. So the problem here, guys, is excellent earnings results are not translating into big price moves, nor is it translating into particularly big 
fourth quarter revisions on the upside here. I think the problem is very simple. We know all about it. Stimulus slash vaccine slash reopening slash the election overlay is really complicated efforts to figure out what the prices are, what the right prices are. That's why everybody's looking forward to get past the election and past some of these events. And then we'll figure out what the real prices are. Guys, back to you. All right, Bob. We'll see you in a little bit, uh, Bob Bassani. Going to get Good. some uh, PMI composite numbers here. Let's get to Rick Santelli. Yes, we are waiting the October. And these are preliminary, Carl, which means we'll toss them when we get the finals later in the month for the market, M-A-R-K-I-T PMIs. On manufacturing, 53.3, 53.3. Arguably a bit light to expectations, but they do make the one, two, three fourth number in a row that is in the 50s, uh, which is expansion, of course. On the services side, a little bit stronger number based on expectations, 56.0. Now, that's sequentially higher than the 54.6 in the rearview mirror, as is the manufacturing headline, but that one only by a tenth versus 53.2 in the current read of 53.3. Finally, if you put it all together into the final composite, it's 55.5 versus 54.3. So we are putting a string of expansions in a row here, and this is a good thing. Now let's go to the charts. It's all about interest rates this week and their rise, and how they're doing it is statistically and technically and historically pretty bullish for more of higher rate type trade. Let's look at a two-day of 10s. And you look at yesterday's high yields were basically the same as today's. 30-year, pretty much the same scenario for 10s. You know, just a whisker uh, under 87 for 30-year bonds, a whisker under 169. Why is that important? Well, open the 10-year up to one-week chart, and you can see we build upon the previous day's highs ever since retail sales a week ago Friday. Today, they're basically sideways. I would look for more to the upside if this is gonna, going to continue. Now, let's go to the long maturity 30-year, and let's go back to July. Why? Because this particular week is a huge week for 10s in 30s. Double-digit gains. It's the biggest week since, well, the week of August 7th through August 13th. And if you look on the left side of that chart, you see those jack-o'-lantern teeth? Well, right after that is the week I'm referring to. So it's extending just like this week is. When it comes to the yield curve, all yield curves are steepening. Tens minus twos most since February 2018. And finally, here's a one week of the dollar index. It's down almost one penny on the week. A week where interest rates are moving to the upside. Very counterintuitive. Of course, Carl, Jim, David, back to you and have a great weekend. All right, you too, Rick. We'll see you later. Uh, everything Rick said is uh, one reason why financials are leading today, trying to ride the coattails of those uh, higher rates. Infotech is down, as is the NASDAQ. The Dow's trying to close a down week on an up note. Back in a moment. It was clear that uh, for whatever reason, this was not going to be as successful as Jeffrey and I had hoped. And so we took stock of where we were and we said the best thing to do, the honorable thing to do is to return money to shareholders um, when we knew this was not going to have a path forward as a viable standalone business. So we feel like we made the right decision, a very difficult decision, but the right one for shareholders. I have a bottomless well need to win. This smarts, it hurts a lot. Um, very disappointed that, um, you know, that we have disappointed our investors uh, and our, 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 our employees. And, uh, you know, so for me, I got to get back up on that horse and, you know, go find the next mountain to charge up to. And it's the only thing I know how to do. And uh, uh, I have a lot to prove. 
Jeffrey Katzenberg, uh, Meg Whitman talking to uh, Julia Borston and the rest of us here on Squawk Alley yesterday, David. I wonder yeah. what you thought of the interview itself, uh, which was remarkable, and, and also some of the takeaways, I think somewhat surprising takeaways uh, from the shutdown itself. Yeah, uh, well, listen, I mean, kudos to you and John and, of course, Julia for getting them because it was an extraordinary interview, and I did tweet about it, and a lot of people seem to uh, follow that just because it's so rare that we see two executives come on and say, hey, you know what? We screwed this up. We didn't get it right. We misjudged uh, and we take the blame and we're moving on. Um, and, you know, a, a bottomless well of need to win, I thought was an interesting comment from Mr. Katzenberg as well. But that's what we know him as. And that's why I think a lot of people, despite their questions about the business model early on, said, well, if anybody's going to figure it out, it's going to be Katzenberg and Meg Whitman, who I happen to know quite well, who is extraordinary in terms of her work ethic uh, and her intellect. But they didn't make it work. Um, by the way, I would add they didn't put a lot of money of their own in there, from what I understand, which I think is interesting. It, it, it doesn't mean that it hurts any less. Uh, but neither one, both of them, of course, are, are extraordinarily wealthy people. You know, it may have been as little as five million from Katzenberg, eight million from from uh, Meg Whitman. And they may have gone up over time, but. That is an interesting little component of this, Carl, but just fascinating interview that you guys conducted yesterday with them. Yeah, uh, and hopefully not the last time we've heard from them. Uh, and obviously we're going to hear from Jeffrey and Meg again, just a question of what uh, their next projects are going to be. Quick break here. We're back in a moment. Jim, we can't wait to hear about Mattel tonight. Up 10%. Remember, it's not just Barbie, but American Girl, which had not been that good. When I spoke to Mr. Cruz last time, it really had a great quarter. So it's just firing uh, hot wheels. This, this company is doing incredibly well. The one thing I would point out is I think Hasbro's doing well, too. It, this is the time to stay at home and play with your kids. And I love it. Positive story about the pandemic. Yep. Uh, it's going to be an interesting holiday season. These yeah. inventories are lean, Jim. Yep. Uh, you have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. See you Monday. All right, we'll see you tonight. Mad Mon and of course, Mad Money tonight, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern time. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.